Hi, you're listening to the Modern Club Management Podcast with me, your host, Ed Chapman. This podcast takes the lived experiences and knowledge of some of the leading figures and thinkers from the world of club management and beyond, all so that they can become your teacher and elevate your performance. Whether you're looking to start a career in club management, are a seasoned club manager at a world-leading club, or work elsewhere within this wonderful industry, there will be powerful messages and key takeaways that can help you in your career or personal life. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Modern Club Management Podcast with me, your host, Ed Chapman. Today, I'm excited to be joined again by Monique Landman and from Unchain. Monique, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you, Ed, for having me again. I am oh, currently, in South, currently in South Africa. Oh, nice. So before we get going, in case anyone missed the last episode, just want to give a little brief introduction to your background and how you got to where you are. Yeah, when people ask me what I do, I always say I'm um, I'm a chief empathy officer, and I it's my purpose to to bring heart into the boardroom, to have a purpose to humanize companies, because at the end of the day, we are all humans: the suppliers, the members, our stakeholders, our clients, our neighbors, the teachers at our kids' school. So when we start seeing each other again and as human beings, then we can do so much together and work with each other and resolve conflict and yeah it's we forget we forget that we are just human beings so that's what i'm doing at uh, a lot of that in golf industry and club industry but also in corporates and it's a it's a humbling privilege to touch people's hearts actually oh it is i think it's good to remind people that they have one sometimes in the sense of it's like their emotions um, from the heart rather, rather than only from the head. It's good for us to touch in with our feelings. No, and I think that uh, especially what we're seeing now in current society, we all thought life was going to be a little bit better after COVID, but unfortunately, life just got way more difficult and tougher and that can be from energy crisis to money to health to losing jobs and inflation etc so we are a lot of us uh, are struggling with mental health we are on empty and we are just on survival mode and then you don't get like a real connection you don't get service from the heart because people are only acting from survival and not from thriving. Mm, yeah, that's a very good way of putting it. it was the, I mean, really from 2020 through to now, over three years of having, I guess, our control taken away from us a bit and anxiety levels constantly up in that time. It's that, yeah, that survival mode of, which is the, uh, nor adrenaline, I think, is what gets increased in that, which then increases your constant um, stress, where you've got uh, acute stress is actually good and healthy for you and the system, but chronic ongoing stress, uh, especially through emotion, is definitely not good for you. 
No, and what happens is if we, what I like to call, like, or most people do in, in, in the know, is um, you get this amygdala hijacks. So um, mm. you instantly go into flight and fight. And what a lot of people already know now is that when you're on flight and fight, you just can't see perspective. You only want to get out. We pull up our armor um, behind, behind our shields. And when you sort of feel like you're a deer in the headlights, because that's basically there's you freeze and in companies, if you want to innovate or you want to resolve conflict or there is highly charged emotion, um, you can't resolve that from a flight and fight. You just act from fear. Well, that leads us perfectly into talking about cynicism then, because that often is happens in a case of, well, the amygdala, amygdala gets hijacked, I think, when yeah. we get into that mode. Uh, what What's the definition of being a cynic or cynicism that's helpful in this scenario? Well, I've come to realize looking at behavior, especially from a customer or a client perspective, or employees who act from cynicism is that you can actually, it appears to be anger or it appears to be um, uh, uh, that they are disappointed in you, but actually it's about loss. It's about disappointed. And I look at it from a human angle and I can actually see they got disappointed. They got hurt uh, over time. So they are very passionate. If they don't care, there wouldn't be cynicism because if they don't care, they just don't care. But if you really look at why people behave with so much passion and anger about their club, for instance, or about how much they care for their club, maybe their parents were already members, maybe their grandfathers. So it's, it's often about care, but it appears to be anger or disappointment. And it is because over time, their hopes were so high and they just got disappointed. It's, it's emotion. And when you know that, when you see people behave with cynicism, then if you look for the vulnerability in that, that's where also you got your opening, because then you know that you don't have to reason with the head. You only have to connect with empathy. Say like, hey, can you tell me a little bit more? Why does it matter so much to you? I can see you clearly care for this club and thank you for caring for this club. Um, please tell me why is it so important to you? And then you get the story and then you get the emotion. And actually going back from our first discussion about empathy, it's so powerful because it's about finding the root cause of what people really want. And if you know what somebody really wants or what's really uh, motivating them, that gives you the data and the knowledge to resolve the issue, actually. It's called emotional intelligence for a reason. It's intelligence. Funny enough, thinking out loud right now. Yeah, no, it is. And what would be one or two ways that managers in those situations, because when that member or employee, whoever it might be, comes to you in that moment, 
and you f your amygdala gets hijacked because so you feel under attack because it's i think it generally mostly feels personal because it's directed at, at you what's the ways that they can take that step back to take themselves into the zone that allows them to switch on their eq to yeah. then go into the ability to to diffuse that take and bring bring your own empathy forward oh i think that's uh it is something that we all know what it's like you open your email or you come into work and already at a parking lot somebody comes at you before and it's usually taken by surprise that's why we often afterwards think like oh now i've got the perfect answer now i know what to do <laughs> so i think that's why i love the human aspect i think we can agree that we all know this the thing is it starts with self-awareness if you have learned a little bit more about what triggers this hijack in you when you feel attacked when you feel uh, that you close when your heart at the parking lot at eight o'clock in the morning before your first coffee you already had a member shouting at you that's making your heart into a fist instead of a sponge but if for an instant you knew that it maybe it reminds you or it's triggered by something you've learned from being bullied at school 30 years ago, or maybe it's your parent on your shoulder saying, yeah, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. So it starts with getting to know yourself and what I've learned. And I think I told you that I've done a lot of research on hostage negotiation, because if you look at the job of a hostage negotiation, they are extremely successful. 95% of hijacks get results um, by changing people's behavior in a highly charged situation. So I saw that number from Interpol and I started buying books about it. And I thought, what is their secret? The secret is that a hostage negotiator, two things, they are um, an emotional available for other people. So in an instant, they know it's not about them and they are on the goal. They know, like sometimes you have to go through a grief process in two seconds. Like, okay, you feel attacked, you're aware of it. Then you think like, okay, something is causing anxiety here, but this is not about me. So the first thing when somebody comes at you is recognizing that this is actually, um, this is actually what's happening. And then um, if you are emotional available, if you make the connection to somebody who is hurt through empathy, you're already lowering the emotion and de-escalate emotion. So, for instance, a good example that I learned of is somebody comes at you, um, you feel like, okay, I'm flustered. Then you recognize in a few seconds, okay, this is, oh. Uh, oh, this is what I'm feeling, but hey, I'm safe here. I, uh, this is not about me. Then you would say to the other person, hey, I can clearly see you're upset. I'm sorry to see your uh, emotion. And then you give somebody a choice. You just say, would you like to talk about it now? Or shall we talk about it after lunch? Do you want to talk about the membership fee? Or do you want to talk about the complaint on the fourth hall? So you give people choice. And the moment you give people choice, 
that already lowers their anxiety. And it's about understanding that if somebody appears to be angry, that there is always some sort of a grief or loss behind it. So you find vulnerability in the emotion. And when you can do that, when you actually are emotional available to somebody else and become a secure base, so they are willing to share their vulnerability with you, then it's an incredible, incredible opportunity to resolve the issue, to build better communication, to build better relation. But you cannot let the situation take yourself hostage because it's it's that's what it does. You take yourself metaphorically hostless. You become powerless. And that's the thing with a hostage. If you really look at it metaphorically or psychologically, it's about taking away a power. And you in your role as a modern club manager, you have to know yourself in order to become a secure base and not take other let other people take you hostage. Does it make sense? Mm. Yeah, no, definitely it does. Uh, say it's I've read quite a lot on hostage negotiation uh, myself as well and yeah that how you explained it, exactly how I've understood uh, how they do it of getting what one thing they use is that is the name is that if they get like as if you're a hostage it's to get your kidnapper to use your name all the time because that humanizes yeah. you you're not yeah. you're no longer your a hostage you, you're ed because then again, that brings the human element that they can understand that you're a person, maybe you have a family. So that that emotion uh, is key to to connect with the person. I think you're right where that for a lot of members, it comes from a place of, of passion for the club, especially the, if it's often members who are the long-term members who have the most to say, because yeah. they've invested 50 years of their life in, as being a member they want to see the club be great. And if it's in their mm. views going downhill, they've been disappointed uh, with it. And actually, when you're talking about the the anger mm. that comes from it, it made me think of football fans because they're yeah. passionate for the club and they want to see their club win. And when their club's underperforming, and they don't think the players put the effort in, that anger is, is because they've spent lots of money and time going to the games and invested emotionally into them uh, that it comes from the disappointment of of not achieving that that definitely makes a lot of sense and anger is an outward manifestation of emotion so anger is actually Mm. not really an emotion anger is often fear coming out through anger so Mm. and one fundamental thing I really learned about studying this conflict management, if you realize that behind every conflict, there's grief or loss, mm. always. There's never conflict. There's never a hostage, somebody take hostage because they're happy. You've never seen mm. a happy married guy with two beautiful daughters <laughs> taking 10 people hostage in a bank. No, there's always about grief, loss, about losing reputation, losing money, losing um, maybe status. Um, It's always about 
maybe they're losing their autonomy or um, a grief or a loss. So whatever happens, um, it's about people and it's about human emotions. So if you are able to feel well, like, okay, I'm going through my own things here, but this is not about me. And I've got an opportunity here to actually make somebody feel better by reaching out to them through empathy, through an open, like what I call a heart connection. So you could say like, oh, I'm really sorry. I can see you're clearly upset. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Or I really want to know um, why it matters to you so much or uh, take me with, uh, you know, explain a little bit more. It's about validating that their anger or whatever it is, that it's okay for them. And the more as a leader of a club or a leader of a team, if you're able to suspend your own and to be able to be available to other people's suffering, that is a magic, magic, super tool. I was in a, an Apple store in Amsterdam a few weeks ago and there was a client really giving one of the other guys a hard time. It was, you could see anger and annoy and irritation and frustration that was all going down. So I said to my, I watched it for about 10 minutes and I couldn't see it happening. I was like, oh, can I please take over? So I said to my guy who's helping me, um, tell your uh, colleague um, that he actually can resolve this so quickly. And he said, what do you mean? He said, if he only asked the client by saying, or just by acknowledging like, oh, I can see your frustration, I'm so sorry. Um, it clearly means a lot to you. That already takes 50% of the emotional thing. And, and just by saying, hey, I, I get it. And just tell me more, or why is it matter so much? Or maybe that guy is going on a on a, a world trip and he needs his laptop because he's leaving tomorrow for nine months traveling. I don't. You never know. People behave uh. in banks or in. There's always a grief or a loss behind it. Mm. Yeah, and so that val that validation of of their grief, their upset, their anger, that's a huge part of diffusing it already. Because yeah. I think the natural inclination, if you've got to be a manager, often you're, that's because you're a competitive person who likes to win. Hmm. And, yeah. you, and you know, or think you know that you're right. That I think the temptation then is to go, well, that person's wrong, their point's wrong. Um, and it's to, it can be easy, I find, and I, I certainly fall into this occasionally, of trying to, for want of a better term, win the argument, which of course never works. Uh, and then you just have to part some way through it, go, oh yes, that's not how you connect and <laughs> solve this. So, so then better go into into the, I think of curiosity helps. It's hard to be angry or scared if you're curious Absolutely. Uh, in the situation. It's no, a curiosity is an incredible, incredible heart emotion. It's a, it's a super tool um, to overcome fear 
like you have to go into conflict and you're scared, you can always say, I'm going to do it scared anyway. But what if I'm curious how it will do? And mm. you always win because you will mm. always learn something about yourself and maybe not the, uh, uh, the outcome that before you wished for. But if you go in with curiosity, wanting to understand what motivates the other, and that's like almost rule number one in empathy, the willingness mm. of your heart, it's almost sort of tender readiness of the heart to want to understand. And even if you put this into conflict situation, wanting to that the other person also comes out of it, feeling a little bit happy about the outcome, not about being right or getting it right, but wanting from a basic heart intent that how cool would it be if you both walk out the door feeling a little bit better about the outcome and going back, putting that back into how it's all connected, curiosity, anxiety, that, that amygdala hijack. If one thing that instantly loses when you are on survival mode, feeling attacked, you can't take perspectives. Mm. So it's only like getting out of here as soon as possible with the biggest outcome. But the power is actually in exploring with curiosity. What is the perspective of somebody else? So you got three uh, uh, points to take perspective yourself. And then you would could, such a beautiful question just to ask another person. Tell me what is it like to be you in this position? Tell me, tell me why is it important to you? Or tell me, how do you look at this? And the other, the third is an outside perspective. So my husband's not going to like what I'm about to tell, but sometimes he can't, comes home and he's like, oh, you know, full of frustration, telling about an incident he had. And then I would ask him, so tell me, I've heard your story now. What's the other person telling his wife tonight at the dinner table? <laughs> and it's like a sort of, okay, you feel like, okay, now I need to shift and come out of my, like my own bubble. And then sometimes he would say like, oh, I think I gave him a bit of a hard time today. <laughs> and we're always, <laughs> you're already laughing. Because it's yeah. already like, oh, yes, so you get you get hit by the shame cyclone, you get, uh, um, you know, your sort of embarrassment or you go through all the things. But already the power of for even for two seconds standing in somebody else's shoes. And then I would say like, well, would you like to know how I look at things? And then we before we know, within a five minutes discussion, we have a 360 degree uh, angle. Mm. And there's always the question you can ask yourself, what's my part? What is my part that I need to own? Accountability and responsibility and not saying like, ah, I didn't meant to. No, um, I last week at a training here, I said to the team, accountability, they didn't know what, what it is. And I said mm. to them, you broke the egg. And Sometimes you say, ah, it was not my intention. Now, accountability is just saying, you know what? I broke the egg. Mm. And I'm sorry. And then you can say like, okay, I broke the egg. But add also something apologizing. 
I find mm. that so interesting why we never talk in businesses, in leadership, about the true, true power of apologizing. Have you thought about it? I think a lot of people, as soon as you apologize, it's seen as an admission of being wrong or of being weak, I think is probably how it's seen that people, why people don't do it, rather than the power of showing that vulnerability that it's okay to be wrong sometimes and then you apologize for it. I think that certainly from, as a leader in your team, you almost don't want to be seen as perfect. Like you, know, you want to be seen that sh like to show that you make mistakes or that you ask for help from your team. Cause that shows to them that it's okay when they make mistakes and they can ask for help as well. I think that comes from that feeling of certainly as a guy, I think it can be very easy to feel like, Oh, I need to show that I'm always right. I always have the answer. I never make a mistake. I think certainly culturally growing up in the UK, that was something which was the norm. Yeah, it's, it, there is this cultural and even here in South Africa, I see it even more like the proud, you have to be a proud African man. You have to be, uh, you know, head of the tribe, you show no weakness. But the thing is, when I do these interactive sessions with staff, and sometimes that's the core staff that they only work outside on the uh, cutting the grass or, and I would ask like, what is a special moment in your work? You know what they said? It was so special. My supervisor apologized to me. The impact of an apology, the mm. impact when the boss, let's call it the boss for in this, or when when the leader of the tribe or the head of the company or the head of the family, if you are able to share with your team, guys, this is a, a big challenge and I don't have all the answers. Let's explore how we could solve this. Please help me understand because I don't have the answers right now. We think we impress people and I, in a kind of way we impress people with our strength, but that's causing a barrier. But at the same time, we mm. connect through our, our, well, weaknesses or flaws or imperfections. That's where people love us. People love us for our imperfection, not for being so strengthful. That's only like looking up. So in your team, your ability to sit with your group and say like, oh, we, we are now standing in front of this challenge or we need to get more members. How do we do it? I don't have all the answers. Imagine the richness that will come from their answers, the richness from even the more diverse team you have, the more diverse your solutions are going to be. But you just have to organize the desire for people to want to share them with you. So your curiosity, actually, if you are talking out loud and thinking out loud now, your curiosity is absolutely a super tool. And I think it's, it's time that we forget 
about being perfect. And you know, I, in every keynote, every session, every training that I do, I put so much emphasis on we are messy. We are inherently message, uh, messy as human beings. We beat ourselves up. We talk to ourselves like in a bad way. Imagine your wife comes home having a bad day and you would talk to her as the same way we all human beings talk to ourselves. Oh, not good enough, inadequate, uh, filled again. Oh, I'm weak. We tell ourselves these stories, but we would never treat our friends and the loved ones that mm -hmm. way. So that whole self-awareness and self-compassion, actually, it's making ourselves also a better human being. Because if we mm -hmm. are compassion for us, at show and convey compassion, knowing ourselves, yes, understanding what triggers us or what motivates us, but at the same time, self-compassion, if we know about our messiness and about our flaws and our weaknesses, like this mirror wisdom, and we are just so kind towards ourselves, not beating ourselves up, not judging, not, you know, whipping our backs as like 100 years ago, the priest would do. No, but honestly, having self-compassion, why does it's not selfish? It makes our relationship with others because it will translate into more forgiveness for other people's flaws. And when you know when somebody's acting what appears to be angry, and you know what it's like to be angry when you're feeling rejected or abandoned, then you also learn grace when people behave in the same way because you know what it's like. And then you also know what to do. Nice. Well, I think that's a really nice spot to leave it, actually. That's quite a lot of food for thought for everyone to, to take on, to have different ways of thinking about these interactions and different ways of thinking about what's making this member or employee come with these feelings and these, why they, why they bring this to light, uh, just to give a different, different viewpoint and perspective on actually they're doing it because they're so passionate, but they've been let down. Uh, and for us to yeah, get to the heart of the emotion of, of what's making them almost to park the actual thing they're talking about and, and find out the why behind it. So very insightful as always, Monique. Thank you so much for your time. It's been another very enjoyable conversation, which hopefully a lot of people will take uh, new ways to think about these things from. Oh, thank you, Ed. Always a delight to... And we never know where it's going at the beginning. So I'm actually... Mm chuffed and and uh, inspired as well talking with you about this so thank you for having me again my pleasure thank you thank you for joining me on this journey as we dive into the world of club management i hope you enjoy listening to these conversations as much as i enjoy having them if you do enjoy and get value from them i have two small requests simply subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening app and leave a review and share it directly with someone whom you think would benefit from listening. If you're interested in being a guest on this show yourself, then you can reach out to me using the details in the show notes or email me modernclubmanagement at pm.me. 
In the show notes, you will also find a link to my bi-weekly newsletter that complements these conversations where you can sign up to receive these directly into your inbox so that you never miss out. Thanks for tuning in and have an amazing day. This episode is brought to you by Sweda. Sweda is the social learning platform that delivers high quality blended learning with human connection. Sweda is on a mission to revolutionize the digital learning space through restoring the critical element of human engagement that has gotten lost in online learning. The technology provides everything organizations or individuals need on one single platform to achieve meaningful long-term learning success. Using these skills helped me attain a job offer as the director of golf at Golf Digest, top 100 in the world ranked course after I completed their influence and communication courses. But don't just take my word and the 97% five-star reviews it has had on Trustpilot for it. Try it yourself. All you have to do is email david at suada.com. That's S-U-A-D-A.com. And quote, the Modern Club Management Podcast to claim your free enrollment onto the Reciprocity course to start your journey to become a more influential and persuasive communicator.